It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. Hello and welcome to the second to the last Grape Encounters before the 2020 election. This has been an election that has literally gone on for four years. And what I think is amazing for me about the past four years is the fact that I have managed to not talk politics at all on Grape Encounters, other than to you know throw in a political joke, joke or two here or there. But for the most part, I've just stayed completely away from politics, which uh, is actually surprising to a lot of my friends and people that know me because those who know me also know that for the first 10 years of my career, I worked in politics at the national level. And so it's something that was in my blood for a long time. And I'm really glad that I got it out of my blood because I left my political career because it was just getting, you know, too nasty even then. And it just didn't feel right to me. So it was something that I I wanted to just separate my Myself from and do something that was a, a, a little less uh, emotionally exhausting. Another thing that you may not know about me is the fact that I also uh, went to Pepperdine University on a debate scholarship and then went on to be the debate coach there for a few years. So debate is also something that's in my blood. So not surprisingly, uh, this uh, last presidential debate on Thursday night was something that I watched with great interest. But we're going to come back to that. Uh, The reason that I don't talk politics on Grape Encounters, for the most part, is because I was advised uh, about four years ago by a radio mentor of mine to keep my politics separate from my love of wine and my commitment to teach people to how, how to have fun with wine and to grow their wine lifestyle. And that all happened because I had posted some political thoughts on Facebook, I think it was, and my mentor saw these comments and he said, David, what the heck do you think you're doing? He says, you know, you have a lot of your audience members who are Facebook friends and why would you want to alienate some of them, maybe 50% of them, by expressing your political views? Now, the, the answer from my perspective 
to that question is complicated simply because one of the things that I tell you all the time on Grape Encounters is that wine should be a social lubricant that stimulates conversation about everything but the wine. And to that end, we have, we wine drinkers, that is, have just endless conversations about politics while we share a bottle of wine together. Or maybe we don't share a bottle of wine. Maybe you drink white wine or I drink red wines or or, or vice versa. Uh, but anyway, you know, politics is a, really a big part of the discussions that come up where wine is concerned. But going back to my mentor, I was a little harumphed about the advice he gave me because I don't like to keep my opinions to myself and I don't do it very well, honestly. But I thought about it. I slept on it a few days and I thought, you know what? He's absolutely right. You know, why spoil the fun? I have as many uh, Republican friends as uh, Democratic friends. I, I I think that my friends are well-balanced up, up across a wide spectrum of beliefs. And and I like it that way. I respect people's opinions. And I know that we all have different opinions. And that's just the way it is. And sometimes I will argue passionately about something that I believe. And, you know, sometimes I I just don't care. But anyway, uh, this this last Thursday, the second and last presidential debate took place. And I must tell you, I wasn't sure what wines I was going to drink during that debate because I also wasn't sure whether the debate was going to get really super contentious like the last one or whether things would get reined in by NBC's uh, Kristen Welker. And I have to tell you, as a former debate coach, as a former intercollegiate debater, my hat, if I wore one, comes off to Kristen Welker, who did just a a masterful job during the debate. Now, I am not going to today take any sides uh, politically here. I don't uh, feel any uh, reason to do that. But there's a lot of interesting things that we can talk about where politics and wine are concerned. And, you know, one of the things that I have read a lot about over the years uh, has to do with the wine drinking habits of the occupants of the White House. For instance, did you know that Thomas Jefferson spent so much on wine uh, that he nearly went broke? Uh, Did you know that champagne was among James Madison's favorite wines to drink? In moderation, of course, and here's an interesting factoid about James Monroe. He apparently loved champagne and burgundy so much that he charged $1,200 bottles to an account Congress had budgeted to him for furniture. Uh, I guess uh, they were not very happy about that. Um, In a letter to his daughter, John Tyler wrote, they have good drinks, champagne, of which you know I am fond. This was in reference to a dinner uh, that he had with President Madison. Uh, Let's see, what else? Oh, Hubert Uh, Herbert Hoover had an impressive wine collection. Unfortunately, his wife apparently dumped the entire wine collection down the drain when uh, Prohibition started. Now, Richard Nixon is a guy who loved expensive wines like Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. But uh, something that is a little known fact about Nixon is that while he would sit at state dinners and drink this very expensive wine, (laughs) that he 
he would have his guests poured something that was a whole lot less expensive and impressive. And then, of course, not surprisingly, Ronald Reagan favored wines from California, but he did drink some French wine. So there's just a little bit of history of wine in the White House. Now, among the ways over the years that wine and politics intersect uh, is the massive amount of legislation uh, that is constantly before our uh, political decision makers. And, you know, that goes back to prohibition. But right now, we're still grappling with the idea of the three-tier system, which is just kind of a weird and awkward system that we've had in the U.S. for a really long time, where we have a middleman between the wine producer and the wine retailer, who then sells the wine to you, the wine consumer. And that middle person is the distributor. And a lot of people just believe that it's insane for their to be a middleman there because uh, that person puts a lot of extra cost on your bottle of wine. So there's a big movement afoot to try to end that three-tier system. More on that later on. Uh, we have talked about it in the past, but it's going to be um, an even bigger issue in uh, the next year or so. So we'll definitely be talking about that. But in the meantime, as we carry on this discussion, hopefully a lighthearted discussion about wine and politics, as we uh, get into the final stretch of the 2020 election, I thought I would share some interesting factoids about you and what your wine drinking habits and preferences might say about your politics, because actually there's been a lot of studying that has gone on where that is concerned. And also, I thought you might be interested in some studies that have been taking place to try to determine who gets supported the most by the wine industry. Is it the the Democratic candidate, the Republican candidate, or somebody else? These and other fascinating things that we will discuss on this edition of Grape Encounters Radio. So stay with me, okay? Many wine enthusiasts describe wine as a kind of time machine that can transport you to the place and time it was created without leaving home. Whether you're sipping a Sangiovese from Italy or a German Riesling, tasting is traveling. That being said, Total Wine & More is like the world's biggest airport. With more than 8,000 wines from every corner of the world in their stores, you can be incredibly adventurous and savor every journey. Plus, you can do all of your shopping online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order at your local store or curbside for the ultimate in safe shopping. There's always more in store at Total Wine and More. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia... Her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Garya into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, walnuts and wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, 
free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. And for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Summer is here, invigorating our state of mind and sparking desires for things that complement our playful mood. Yep, our barbecues are already working overtime, cranking out slabs of baby backs that pair perfectly with light, crisp summer sippers. And if you need a little inspiration, check out the summer wine list that no one can resist. It's Total Wine & More's Top 12 Summer Wines, featuring a truly eclectic cross-section of wines, all under $20 and many under 10 Plus, Total Wine & More is offering summer wine bundles that save you up to $24 on a variety pack of wine. And now that we've all gotten into curbside buying, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or just outside for a contactless experience. The best lineup of super low-priced summer wines is just a click away at TotalWine.com. Hey, back with Grape Encounters Radio and having a conversation today about the intersection of wine and politics. And this is a conversation that I'm attempting to have without irritating anybody because I'm not going to share any particular political perspective, but just to focus some attention on some things that I think you'll find kind of interesting. And I will tell you this, uh, so many of you are just so charged up about politics right now and not just uh, presidential politics or other races, but just, you know, political issues in general. I very innocently have mentioned uh, global warming and climate change a couple of times and just really super briefly. And I've gotten a handful of very firm letters back from some of you. And uh, it's interesting because I always try to take the time to write you back. And, you know, if you write me a paragraph, there's a chance you're going to get 10 paragraphs back. And the funny thing is, is that the people that I have responded to who are kind of just get in my face because they they thought I was uh, uh, some kind of activist, which I wasn't trying to be. Um, they ended up just being really, really taken aback that I would respond to them. And now we have great relationships and we write back and forth to one another. So that's a pretty cool thing. It just goes to show you that if you'll take the time to listen to people and to appreciate their perspective and to thoughtfully share your own perspective, the world will be a better place. And wine is an excellent conduit for those kinds of conversations. It, it really is. And I think wine has done a lot to bring people together and very little to separate us. So that being said, um, I, I'm going to get back to the conversation that I started in the first segment, but I wanted to share something kind of fun with you. And it's some news that I just got about Bonnie Meyer, who I had on a couple of months ago. And you may remember that conversation. Hopefully you do. Bonnie was the co-founder along with her late husband, Justin, of Silver Oak Cellars, which is really uh, a, a, a tremendously iconic brand. She doesn't own the 
winery anymore, but what Bonnie and Justin did for California wine and the Cabernet varietal is just astonishing. I don't know that we would have the great Cabernets in California today if it weren't for Bonnie and her husband. But she wrote this book uh, called Perfectly Paired, which uh, we talked about in a two-part interview, The Love Affair Behind the Silver Oaks Cellars. And it just won a really big award. It's called the New York City Big Book Award uh, for 2020. And uh, this is an important conversation. Uh, they say this of the award that the New York City Big Book Award uh, once again achieved worldwide participation. Entries remained strong during the worldwide pandemic. Book submissions streamed in from six continents in over 100 cities, Africa, Asia, Australia, Europe, North America, and South America, all participated. And anyway, uh, Bonnie's book was chosen as a winner. And I'm just so proud um, to uh, share that information with you. There's another thing that I keep meaning to share with you about Bonnie. She's such a, a fascinating person. She's uh, To me, she's kind of a Yoda kind of character because she's so wise and speaks slowly and deliberately and everything that comes out of her mouth is just valuable information. And I just love having conversations with her. Well, she has a project, a a very new project called Divine Conversations, and that's D-I and then a capital V-I-N-E, Divine, get it? The Vine Conversations. And it's really fascinating fascinating stuff because Bonnie has so much life uh, world experience and uh, so much of that has to do with wine and she talks about a myriad of topics uh, that uh, uh, well the conversations take place in her very iconic uh, Bonnie's vineyard and they can be about just about anything imaginable. And so uh, her vineyard kind of serves as a sort of sophisticated uh, uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood, except it's uh, not Mr. Rogers, it's uh, uh, Mrs. Myers. So anyway, uh, you can go to YouTube and you can search for Divine Conversations or uh, Bonnie Meyer and uh, just give a listen to these wonderful, wonderful, um, they're actually video podcast. So you'll see uh, Bonnie and it's it's just great stuff. They're very well produced. You never know what she's going to talk about. Go there and subscribe and support her. You know, this is just a totally new thing for her. She's just somebody who avoids the limelight and avoids celebrities. She's extremely humble and uh, just this very gentle loving, warm, thoughtful person. And so this is a really a large leap outside of her comfort zone to do Divine Conversations. And so hopefully you will support her. I'm supporting her. I'm trying to tell as many people as I possibly can about Divine Conversations and tell your friends and uh, you'll really get a lot out of it. I'm absolutely positive that you will. Anyway, so back to the subject of wine and politics. And the very first question as 
out of the chute should be this. Is it wrong to mix politics and wine? You know, they say never talk about politics or religion, but uh, maybe uh, wine makes it okay to, to talk politics. Well, I'm not sure if, if it does or it doesn't, but uh, I was reading something that uh, really caught my attention from Tim Atkin, uh, who is a very, very well-respected master of wine. Uh, Tim has contributed to uh, a number of books on wine, including The New World of Wine. Um, he has written for many, many uh, d- uh, different publications, including Harper's, Decanter Magazine, The World of Fine Wine, I mentioned, uh, Gourmet uh, Traveler Wine, The Drinks Business. Uh, he also is a co-chairman of the International Wine Challenge, which is the world's most rigorously judged blind tasting uh, competition. He is a very, very deeply respected guy uh, in the wine business, but uh, he was actually called out uh, a while back by Hugh Johnson, who is a larger-than-life wine writer. Some consider him to be the most important wine writer on the planet. But Tim writes on his website the following. I guess uh, when he was called out by Hugh, uh, Hugh says, Stick to wine, Tim. You're wasting time. If you spend as many hours on social media channels as I do, then you get used to and even rather enjoy the odd spat. Tim goes on to say, there's there's nothing new in saying that wine and politics don't mix. I was told the same thing in the mid-1980s when I wrote an editorial in Wine and Spirit condemning apartheid and advising people to boycott South African produce. Quite how anyone could argue that political decisions had no bearing on the system and supply chain that produced a bottle of Cape Chenin Blanc or an outspan orange, and that we as consumers, commentators, and importers did not have the right or the power to try to alter them was beyond me. Anyway, a very good point. Got to take a break, but up next we'll talk about donations from the wine industry to uh, recent political candidates. Does it even mean anything? (laughs) Well, that ought to be interesting. That next on Grape Encounters. know that there's a lot more going on in the world of Grape Encounters than what you hear each week on the radio show? If your answer is no, it means that you're not as plugged into our wild, wacky, and wonderful world of wine. But we can fix that right now. I really want to share a lot more with you than what we're able to do during the weekly show. Like wine recommendations, interesting ways you can play with your wine, information about upcoming wine happenings, and even recipes I've developed just for you. There are two things you can do to get plugged in. First, join the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook. Make sure it's the group page. Or you can sign up for our mailing list at GrapeEncounters.com. In coming weeks, I'll be doing giveaways, offering free online parties exclusively for you, and a lot more. Please, don't miss out. Connect with me on Facebook or at GrapeEncounters.com. Words can be very confusing. When you're crazy, people say that you're nuts. But what if you're crazy about nuts? 
Well, that doesn't mean that you should be sent to the funny farm. It means that you should be sent to the farm of MM Organics, the producers of organic heirloom walnuts and walnut products that are so incomparably unique and delicious, other nuts will be reduced to wallflowers. Whoops, there we go with those crazy meanings of words again. After all, if being a wallflower means disappearing into the background, then why does being a walnut from MM Organics mean standing out from the rest? Confused? Well, you won't be when you discover the glorious deliciousness of walnut halves, baking pieces, fair trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and other scrumptious walnut products from MM Organics. Learn more and order yours at mmorganics.com, where you'll also find our utterly irresistible two-horse Portuguese dessert wine that everyone goes nuts for. Get crazy at mmorganics.com. We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio. And before I proceed, I have to confess that I have a bellyache. <laughs> I mean, uh, literally a terrible uh, bellyache right now. No, I'm not getting uh, COVID. It's just that during the last break, I uh, had some chicken shawarma from Trader Joe's. And I got to tell you, that is just an absolutely delicious product. It is so good, uh, so much so that I ate uh, way more more than I should have way too fast. And uh, even though it's delicious, it's also pretty intense from a, a spice standpoint. And boy, I'm glad I didn't pair it with any wine. In fact, I'm not sure what wine you would pair chicken shawarma with, uh, but if I had, I'd have even a worse bellyache than I do right now. So I'm just uh, in a little bit of distress, but I will make it. No problem. Don't worry about me. But speaking of bellyaches, I uh, also realized during this last break that uh, some of you who are avid listeners to Grape Encounters Radio, regular listeners, will uh, probably bellyache if I don't correct something that I said in the first segment about not talking about political things uh, the last four years on Grape Encounters Radio, that actually is not true now that I think about it because I have on a number of occasions talked about tariffs and the fact that the wine industry is really up in arms about tariffs because uh, they've been very detrimental to wine producers and um, also wine importers and distributors. And so it's been a big topic in the wine world. And I I won't get into that right now. Just suffice to say that, yeah, yeah, I have talked about that. And you can make your own judgments about it. You just have to go to grapeencounters.com and uh, go to the search bar and put in tariff and you will find all kinds of information about discussions that I have had more than one. So, uh, yeah, I deceived you, but not on purpose. I just had kind of forgotten about that. 
But uh, anyway, uh, that leads me to the next topic, which has to do uh, not just with wine and politics, uh, but uh, has to do with the way that you can twist and manipulate a story into uh, saying something that maybe it doesn't really say. I'm not sure when I first heard the term spin, but it's been a super long time ago, that's for sure. And if anybody should know anything about spin, it would be me because, as I said earlier, I was an intercollegiate debater. I was a debate coach. I have owned and run a marketing firm. I've been uh, a journalist. Uh, I've been in politics. So I know uh, a great deal, I think, about spinning a story. And there's been one story that's been floating around uh, the wine industry for a while now that uh, is really a super deceiving story that has to do with donations from uh, producers in the wine industry and uh, also allied industries uh, to political candidates. And uh, there's this fellow by the name of Carl Storchman, and he's with the Association of American Wine Economists. Oh, but before I do that, uh, I do want to actually take you back uh, to the campaign uh, in 2015 because it complicates things even further because it turns out that Bernie Sanders' wine industry donations totaled $71,567, more than uh, Biden got this year. And if you look at Hillary Clinton's campaign, get this, uh, donations to Hillary Clinton were a, a tremendous amount. In fact, the Clinton campaign got an enormous $1,473,011 from the wine industry. So let's uh, kind of unpack this for a second, because here's how people play with numbers. When we look at the amount of money that was donated to the Biden campaign, it's just for the 2020 election. But when they tabulated the amount of money that was donated to the Trump campaign, they went all the way back to 2015. So you had two election cycles that were tallied up to uh, get the grand total of the $168,950 that President Trump received, you know, versus what uh, Joe Biden had received. Now, the other thing that is really super important here is that when you talk about these numbers, they don't talk about the number of donations. And so even though a candidate might receive a larger amount of money, it might actually be from less donors. So what does this all mean to all of us? Well, it means actually absolutely and totally nothing, uh, really. So there's nothing really, uh, I think, important that you can glean from this information other than the fact that there are some people that just like to stir up the pot and get other people all excited for no particular reason. Another super important thing to remember is the fact that uh, when somebody makes a political donation, it doesn't necessarily mean that they support a particular candidate. It oftentimes means 
that they would like uh, to tap into the influence of that candidate. Uh, like, let's go back to the issue of the tariffs. There are all these lobbying firms out there that, for one reason or another, would have an interest in in trying to get a, a candidate uh, to support their cause, um, and therefore it doesn't necessarily mean that they personally support that particular candidate. They just are thinking about business and sometimes decisions in terms of political donations are made on that basis. So there you have it. But there's there's more to talk about on this subject of uh, politics and wine. And the the next thing I'm going to talk to you about is what your wine preferences might quietly be saying about your political perspective. And um, I'm going to get into that in just a second. Before I do, I wanted to go back to Thursday night's debate for just a second, because I really wanted to make one observation about uh, my Thursday evening. As I think most of you know, I do own a wine tasting room, and it's open in the evenings. And we have uh, people from all kinds of political persuasions come in and and drink wine. We try to avoid politics um, if we can in terms of conversation, although that's not always the case. But I did say that I actually really did enjoy Thursday night's debate. And the reason I enjoyed it so much was from the perspective of a former debate coach and former debate competitor, it was uh, surprisingly civilized given the tone of this campaign. So I was thinking that I was, uh, during the debate, going to drink something kind of intense. But as it turns out, I drank something just, you know, very innocuous and uh, just a, a soft, gentle blend because I felt very peaceful through most of the debate. I know some of you got all up in arms about it, but I didn't. I just uh, sat back and kind of just took it all in and thought to myself, well, this is just a whole lot more civilized than I expected. So uh, there is hope. But the other thing that I wanted to mention is the fact that absolutely nobody came into the wine shop during the debate. Not one single person came in. That is extremely unusual. So one of two things is probably true. Either one, everybody stayed home and was glued to their television set watching the debate and didn't realize that I had it on the big screen at the Grape Encounters Emporium, or two, uh, I guess the World Series was on as well. (laughs) Is that true? The World Series was on during the the debate? That was kind of a bad programming decision, I would say. But (laughs) anyway, uh, just uh, conclude from that what you will. We're going to come back in just a second, wrap up Grape Encounters Radio, and tell you what your wine drinking, well, not just your wine drinking, but your adult beverage drinking preferences might say about your politics. That next on Grape Encounters Radio. As summer turns to fall, leaves and wardrobes aren't the only thing that change color. This is the time of year when wine preferences tend to darken up. Cold, crisp whites are already making way for fall favorites like Pinot Noir and luscious California Zin. Tropically tinted New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs won't migrate south just yet, and rosés will also remain resilient well into turkey time. But folks like me who've enjoyed lighter fare in the backyard all summer will venture out and take a cab almost everywhere we go. Now there's no doubt about this fall phenomenon. It's a time when wine enthusiasts get more adventurous and try things outside of their comfort zone. And if your comfort zone could use a little reimagination, 
Let the experts at Total Wine & More show you just how much adventure there is to discover among their inventory of 8,000 or more wines in every store. You can still enjoy their legendary customer experience in-store or make an evening of exploring the world of wine from the comfort of your cozy couch. Load up your shopping cart, stop by the store, and Total Wine will rush your order to curbside. Once you immerse yourself into an online Total Wine discovery mission, you'll quickly fall in love with the incomparable wines you can access so easily and affordably. See what I mean at TotalWine.com. If you're a frequent Grape Encounters radio listener, you know that our show is all about inclusiveness. For far too long, wine consumers have felt left out, simply because a small minority of, well, let's call them out, wine snobs have dominated the conversation. For 12 years, it's been my mission to give you, the wine enthusiasts that just want to have fun, a front row seat to everything that's cool about wine. And while we have a very intimate thing going on here, I've been thinking that we can take things where no radio or TV program has gone before. And so beginning next week, I'm inviting you and your friends to get together with me for a private online party. This isn't a big streaming free-for-all event. It's you, me, and your guests. You decide what you want to talk about, we'll set a time, then it's party time. So email me using the contact form at GrapeEncounters.com. Tell me a little bit about how we can make this fun for you, and I'll respond to as many requests as I can. Just drop me a note at GrapeEncounters.com. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, Total Wine and More is impossible to keep up with. That's because they have a team of experts constantly searching every corner of the world for amazing wines priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion, like tomorrow. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. And of course, your faves will be there too. New discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 choices to explore online with your handy device while you soak up some shade. Visit Total Wine & More in person, or if you prefer a contactless experience, order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or curbside. And for awesome summer wines, all under $20 and many under 10 be sure to check out their summer wines list at TotalWine.com. All right, so we're going to have a little bit of fun now uh, before we wrap up this edition of Grape Encounters Radio. As I said earlier, I want to share with you some information related to your political beliefs, your political persuasion, and the beverages that you enjoy. Now, a little disclaimer here. This is all just in fun, all right? And the information that I'm presenting is not my own information. It's from a research firm called National Media Research. Research planning. And anyway, they have uh, produced an infographic which can be a little bit hard to read at times, but it's super interesting. And I really believe in um, at least what they're presenting here in theory. I don't know if the information is accurate, but I have said many times on this show that 
there is a strong correlation between your personality and what you drink. And I have studied this for lots of years. I've seen lots of studies, uh, not the least of which are my own conclusions because I chart this stuff and have done it for a really long time. And uh, if I sit down with you and you tell me uh, a, a little bit about yourself and uh, things that you like and don't like, the, the movies that you love, the music that you listen to, stuff like that, I can pretty quickly tell you what wines you're either drinking or you should be drinking. So, uh, again, I believe in this stuff very strongly. Now, whether or not the conclusions of national media research planning are correct or not, I, I don't really know the methodology to this particular study study. But it's interesting nonetheless. So um, what they've done is uh, they've created this infographic and it's a little confusing because they refer to some products by product name and then in other cases they might just refer to a category like you know champagne or whiskey or something like that. So uh, I, I'm not sure why they did it that way, but we'll go with it just for the sake of discussion here. I'll also tell you that this study was done a few years ago and as a lot of people have suggested that the political parties have changed a lot in recent years. So some of this may be uh, a little different than what is actually true today. But anyway, let's just dive into it, shall we? So uh, the graphic um, goes uh, from uh, skewing very Democrat to skewing very Republican, and they're looking at high turnout voters. And in the middle uh, would be moderates, okay? So the closer a beverage is to the middle, the more moderate the person who consumes that is likely to be, at least uh, according to this research firm. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the extremes. Uh, first, we'll look at skewing very Democrat for a second and uh, furthest um, out there, at least uh, skewing the most Democrat, is a, a couple of brands, Seagram's Gin, a Grey, uh, Grey Goose, uh, flavored Grey Goose to be exact, and Smoking Loon, the inexpensive wine. And th th those would be beverages associated with uh, high turnout Democrat voters. Uh, you know, very Democrat. And then uh, as we move a little bit closer to moderate, then you have Cook's, which is the champagne, uh, Moet Chandon, also a, a bubbly, Andre, um, and then Corvassier. And then a, a strange one, because it's such a, a broad category, is Gallo. I mean, they have so many brands, uh, so many wines. I don't know how you could even throw it out there. But then as we get more moderate, the percentage of... Uh, people who lean Democrat, uh, it gets really super large. And now we're looking at Absolute and Grey Goose and Seagram 7, uh, even Bailey's uh, Irish Cream. And then in terms of wine, uh, a pretty good percentage drink uh, Chateau Saint-Michel, Columbia Crest, uh, other wines in there, uh, but not as many uh, people consuming these, Ravenswood, Francis uh, Coppola, Rodney Strong, uh, Charles Shaw, also known as Tubuck Chuck. Now, uh, looking at that almost dead center, like super moderate, uh, but leaning ever so slightly to the Republican side is Corbell. 
And then there's the brand Behringer and a big one, Kendall Jackson. And let's see, uh, <laughs> the biggest one of all, get this, and this is uh, leaning Republican, but kind of moderate, uh, Malibu Coconut. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea where that came from. Uh, also, right in there is uh, Sky Vodka, Hornitos uh, uh, Tequila, Captain Morgan, and then a little more uh, conservative would be uh, Crown Royal, uh, Johnny Walker Black, uh, Canadian Club. Uh, and by the way, there's a reason why so many of the brown spirits tend to skew Republican, and that's at least what I've heard, is that they come from the South, which tends to be more conservative, and so that's why they're more popular among conservatives. Now, here's one that's um, really super uh, conservative in terms of wine and has a pretty big following, and that's Robert Mondavi. And let's see, to a lesser degree, but still big, is uh, Jim Beam, very conservative, uh, Wild Turkey, Seagram's VO, and, you know, not nearly as many wines on the conservative side as on the Democrat side. And and by the way, uh, an interesting study that I've uh, seen in the past is the fact that quite surprisingly to me, more uh, beer drinkers tend to be Republican and more wine drinkers tend to be Democrats. Anyway, I kind of expected the opposite to be true, but heck, yeah, you never know. One thing I, I certainly do wonder is this, though. Instead of politicians going after the typical groups like college-educated men or suburban women and whatever, why not go after people based on what they drink? Maybe you'd have better luck converting those votes voters to your way of thinking. All right, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. I'll be back here next week, the last Grape Encounters before election 2020. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine and More. When Total Wine and More challenged themselves to keep more than 8,000 wines on hand, they pioneered a consumer experience that 99.999% of the population would have thought was impossible. It was an undertaking that I still can't totally get my arms around today. But I've spent many hours of my personal time being that adult kid in a candy store, using my mouse to learn about their extremely affordable top 20 wines of the year, or learning eye-opening details about the iconic winemakers behind Total Wine's Legends of Wine collection. TotalWine.com is an online resource so rich with content, it's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter. <laughs>